Welcome to the Smart Connector podcast, which helps entrepreneurs generate more impact, wealth and success, attract others for all the right reasons and become a smart connector, the architect of your amazing business and life. This podcast is sponsored by Virtual Non-Execs, the world's number one peer-to-peer board advisor community, which connects thousands of investors, entrepreneurs and advisors globally. Welcome, welcome, everybody. This is the Smart Connector podcast. It's great to have you here. What I'd like to do is talk about what we're going to be discussing. So we're really going to be delving into the power of networks. And this is something that Andrew is really passionate about. And he's built a, an offer around, and he'll be talking a bit more about that later. But really, we're just going to go into this. Why do you need, why does everybody need a network and what is a network what does it look like where do you extract the value from your network and what's the point of doing that i think that's pretty much what we're going to be talking about isn't it andrew yeah sounds good to me okay yeah so before we get into it andrew you know tell us a bit about you and what you do for people who don't know you already okay Thank you. And thank you for inviting me onto the podcast and it's great to be here. So I get asked this question quite a lot at networking meetings. It's quite a common question. What do you do? So I say I do three things and it's all about pie. I'm involved in property, so a property investor. I'm also involved in alternative investments and in entrepreneurship. And the entrepreneurship is really where the kind of networking side of things kick in. So I then usually follow that up with, would you like a piece of the pie? And what would you like to discuss? So that's that's kind of in a nutshell what I do. I've been an entrepreneur since the age of 18, actually since the kids. My parents are entrepreneurs. Some of my grandparents were entrepreneurs. So I kind of grew up in that entrepreneurial space. Didn't really have much choice but to, that, that's all I knew. I have worked in corporate. I have worked in for bosses. I tend to say to people that I don't work for them very well, but I work with them very well. So yeah, I'm destined to stay my own boss now. I think at not quite 50, I've made that decision that I don't ever really want to have a, a day job again because I love what I do. Yeah. So, so Andrew, why do you think as an entrepreneur, networks are important? I would say that your network is actually the bedrock of your business. Lots of people talk about business foundations, but foundations have to be built on something solid as well. And that's the bedrock, if you're lucky enough to have bedrock. Um, I have run multiple businesses since I was 18. I'm now 47 at the time of this recording. And every single business that I have started has started with the networking, even prior to me actually formulating either the company or, or starting up whatever I was running. Because I needed to get out and find out if there was a need. I needed to find out who could help me. Because one of the one of the big things that people do when they look at, at going into their own job or into entrepreneurship is they look at all the fun stuff. So property investing, right? Sounds great. I can become a property millionaire. Yeah. Fantastic. I can become an entrepreneur and I can be like someone like Grant Cardone and have jets and fast cars and X, Y, Z. That's all the really cool stuff. 
but no one really tells you how long it takes you to get there and how the hell they did it. And none of them that I've met so far in my life have done it all on their own. Every single person has had help somewhere along the line, whether that's friends, family, coaches, mentors, but it all stems from your network. Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. I mean, I obviously feel very powerful, very powerfully about this as well, which is why, you know, I call my business, my podcast and my group, the smart connector, because, you know, connecting with people smartly, which fundamentally is what it's all about. It's, it, it is the way forward. You know, people are powerful. Relationships are powerful. And the people that understand this best, they tend to do best. And we're going to look at the reasons why as well, aren't we today? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Okay. So what I thought, I, we were talking beforehand, Andrew, and I've made a list of certain different types of capital. And I thought maybe we could look at those and really go into your experience, my experience of what this actually means. Is that okay? Yeah, let's dive straight in. Yeah, amazing. Well, I mean, most people network because they want financial capital. That's a very common reason to network. So maybe they're trying to find investors. Maybe they're trying to find clients. But basically, they want money to land in their bank accounts. Is there any other form of financial capital, do you think, apart from that? Loads. Loads of other financial Let's hear it. So they they tend to be, I think a lot of people make that mistake initially where everyone needs money. You need to put a roof over your head, provide for your family if you've got family, put put meals on the table, fuel in your car, etc. So yes, everyone needs finances. And it's something that I talk with people about very early on and just say some parker, everyone needs it. I've met multimillionaires, I've met billionaires, I've had clients that are famous, that are royalty, that have all got money. So that financial, what everyone immediately springs to, they all have different problems. They don't, the problems don't go away because they've got money and all of them run out of money. Yeah. And I, the, the wealthiest man in the world is about to use half his wealth to build an entire city. So that means he's halved his wealth in one decision. I would wager, well, my camera's doing its thing now. I would wager that one more decision and one more city will bankrupt him. So in two decisions, the wealthiest guy in the world could go in, into, have made a bankrupt person. Yeah. So it, it's the money side of things people need to pull. Everyone needs money. Everyone. All these property developers, they come, they do a development. That's great. But then they find another development, but they've got money side up in the last development. So therefore they need more money again. So, but we're, we're predispositioned to assume that wealth means money. Now, wealth can mean health. That's actually where the word wealth originates from. It originates from health. So as entrepreneurs, some, some, Health capital is the, we're all, most of us are all lunatics and we work too much or we work too long because we want to get to do the next thing or achieve the next thing. So we have to really monitor ourselves. And that includes eating, exercising, breathing, all of that. That's just one side. Another form of wealth for me, and it's actually more important than anything else, is the connections. That's where the real wealth is. 
Yeah, exactly. So, so I think in terms of financial capital, so I know plenty of very successful property developers, for example, and I also know entrepreneurs in tech quite a lot who are very successful as well. And they all use other people's money and they have a limitless supply of money. They do not run out. Not these people that I know. They never, ever run out of money because they have actually perfected the art of really finding limitless sources of money. You know, that, that's it from different people. They don't rely on one source of capital or one relationship. They literally never, ever run out because they know that there are always things that money needs to be spent on. And if they need more, if they don't have enough, then that is going to stop their business in its tracks. So, so the most self-successful people, they have basically unlocked the tap to that financial capital. So I just wanted to mention that before we kind of move in and we talk about the other forms of capital as well, because they're all important, aren't they? And of Absolutely. course, you know, your network is, you were just talking about health. And I think a very important part of health is also mental health, right? And one of the things about building an abundant network is of the right people is that I think it contributes massively to your mental health. And I'm just wondering whether we could maybe look at that before we move on to look at other forms of capital. Yeah, 100%. If you speak to any anyone that's in their early stages of entrepreneurship, the nine times out of 10, they're, they're doing it on their own. They've come up with their idea or, or they've worked for a boss. They don't like how their boss runs things. So they've gone, do you know what? I can do this better. I'll go out on my own. And that's the key here is they go out on their own. It is extremely lonely running your own business, especially when you're a solopreneur. Mm -hmm. And again, I've done this in the past. My, my first business, I set up on my own. A year later, I took a partner on. Six months after that, I got rid of the partner and vowed that I would never have another business partner my entire life because it was a complete nightmare. And for 20 years, I then ran my other businesses on my own. And I had some help with family in the background, but predominantly day to day, it was on my own. So everyone else is running off to work. I'm sat at my laptop and then out driving million. Well, I drove a million miles in 10 years. So over 10 years, I drove a lot of mileage on my own. Yes. Um, and when you're on your own, all of your problems are your own. Yeah. Um, all of your struggles are your own. All of your successes are your own. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you land a client that you really want, or you land a, a deal that, that is a monster deal. And you're like, yeah, this is brilliant. And you look around and there's absolutely no one else in the room or no one else in the come on with you or, or no one else there to celebrate with you. And it's, yeah. it's such a shallow, empty feeling where it shouldn't be. And, and over time that does affect your mental health. And back in 2019. I decided again, you know, I need to, I'd, I'd actually got a day job where I'd driven a million miles in 10 years. I shrunk my hip flexors and I got told if I drove another million miles in another 10 years, I'd be in a wheelchair. Wow. And I thought, that's not for me, not yet. Oh, I don't mind having wheelchair races at 80, 80 plus, but not before then. So I had to literally shut down that company pretty much overnight. And I was out of it three months later. I'd sold it up and, and, I still own the company, but 
we use that for other stuff now. So, but, but the point is, is that I, I was forced to make a really big life-changing decision. So I went and worked for a couple of friends of mine. One of those jobs saw me installing car park equipment all over the UK. It's really manual work. And I, by this stage, it was kind of, you know, I was north of 40. And it's hard work moving those big pay machines that we all pay and put our coins in and tap yeah. to pay for our parking, pulling thousands of meters of cable a week. And it just got, it just was getting too much. And I thought I, I want something more. And I also knew that it was my third property cycle that I was seeing and understanding in my life. Mm. And I thought I need to get into property again. I'd been investing in property with family since 1999 until 2003 when we ran out of funds. Yeah. Had a gap and I thought I've got to get back into this, but I need to get some training to fill in the blanks where I wasn't sure before. And I've learned a hell of a lot of stuff the hard way in property investing. <laughs> so it, the training really helped me and actually, funnily enough, really poignant for this conversation. Mm -hmm. 2018, the beast from the east attacks the West Country. Now, I've got a property down there um, that I rent out and I had a water pipe explode. I had a year's supply of mains pressure water come into that bungalow in 24 hours. Oh, my God. It caused £21,000 £21, worth of damage overnight. Oh. And I was insured for it. Fortunately, I was between tenant changes and just a complete stroke of luck. The, the tenant had moved out three days before and I was due another tenant in the week later. And, and it was just their tenancy agreements that didn't, you know, coincide with day after. But the insurance company at the time didn't want to pay out. And that's a, that's another story for another podcast, but it was, it took me 996 days of fighting before they eventually caved in. And I had the ombudsman on my side, but the point of this story is that the ombudsman told the insurance company they had to pay out and the insurance company still wouldn't pay out. So I had to get lawyers, but by this time I, I was broke. So I had to borrow money to pay for the lawyers, but I didn't know any lawyers that specialized in this. So can you guess where I tapped into to find that? Your network. My, my network. Exactly. One of the guys that was property training me at the time, I was in his property training and I was sharing a lot of my business experience and my other property experience with other people that were learning in the room. And he came up and thanked me at the end of the day, saying, thanks for sharing all that extra stuff because a lot of people, you know, they're quite nervous when they start to go property training and, and maybe they don't have the same experience. And I just enjoy help, helping people. That little act that I did there paid forward to me making a phone call a few months later and going, do you know a lawyer that you can put me in touch with? That lawyer helped us get our money back. Well, that's it. That, that is absolutely it. And what it when you build your networks consistently you always know people who know stuff they know that you know the right people who know the right stuff so that you can get any form of help that you want and i think that is the most important point is any form of help if you want money you know people that you can get money from or people who are going to help you get money if you need, well, I mean, the, I love to talk about social capital because particularly when I had children, I really built my networks with the right people and parents, let's just say. So my children were never short of friends. 
you know, they always had uh, places that they got invited on holidays, you know, days out. Uh, they had an absolutely fantastic childhood because I had built those networks and they didn't really understand that. But of course, it was great for me because the holidays would come around and it's like, obviously, I would reciprocate as well, you know, so... Uh, we would often have children on holiday with us that weren't, weren't our own children, but sometimes you have to do it that way. So I think that kind of social capital is also very important, particularly when you have people, dogs, you know, any form of kind of, you know, person that you care for. Build a network around that. Build a network, obviously, professionally, so that you've got people who you can reach out to who understand entrepreneurship. They understand what you're going through. They have, you know, maybe they're on a similar journey. They can, you can share your experience with them without necessarily feeling at risk that everything you tell them is going to be told to everybody else, which is what you get when you net, when you have the wrong network, right? So we need to be able to have those confidential discussions with the right people so that we just don't feel alone, so that we feel we're 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 with others on the journey because we're kind of pack animals in a way aren't we we're a social species and that's what we need yeah i think i think a lot of entrepreneurs they want they're, they're challenging themselves and they want to achieve i certainly know that's that's for me that's important but i also like sharing my experiences with others as well yeah uh, so there, there's some work that i do on my own that i just quietly get on with and, and that's fine, but there's a time and a place, and I'm fortunate enough that I have, you know, I've, I've got business partners in property, so it lightens the load between all three of us, and we all bring different things to the table, all look at problems in a different way, but we haven't hit a problem yet that we couldn't solve. So that collaboration there, and that, again, I met them at a networking event. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. They live down the road, but I met, you know, all, all of my business partners I've met at networking events. Yeah, exactly. And mm -hmm. I think the other thing that is really, that is really exciting is just that thing of, as you said, being able to share successes and also being able to share our challenges without fear of judgment. Because I think what happens with a lot of entrepreneurs I mean, certainly that is the case in my family, and I'm not talking about my children, but, you know, because my family are not entrepreneurs, they think that I'm very strange for doing what I do. And so if ever I run into any problem, which, of course, I do as well from time to time because I'm only human, and I share it with them, they uh, panic, you know, they start giving me advice which is mostly like, do you think you ought to get a job now and, you know, go back to work? And this isn't really working for you, is it, Jane? And, and it's like, for God's sake, you know, shut up. Um, this is, uh, you know, this is just one of the numerous kind of ups and downs. So I've learned over time that we have to have people who understand us on that journey, because if we feel less alone, then we just feel better about ourselves. And when we feel better about ourselves, we're going to deliver at our best in terms of our performance. When we feel as though actually nobody really cares except us, that's a very unhealthy state of mind. And so, yeah, we've got to have a peer network, haven't we? A really good, strong, solid peer network. 
who are not looking to steal from us, you know, steal our ideas or our money or, you know, anything else. We're looking for people who, you know, they want to be our cheerleaders. And I think that's one of the benefits I know personally of my ideal client success mastermind, which obviously you're a, a member of, is actually having those people, a, a bunch of experts, and they all have an expertise in different areas that actually, you know, they come together and support one another as well, which I think is really nice. So, you know, those complementary skill sets, that's important. People who they have what you need and whether it's an emotional need, a practical need, or, you know, maybe they've, they've got some money. That, that's basically it. Or they're able to help you in some aspects of your life. Yeah. So, so important. It really is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was wondering, Andrew, whether you think about this favorite favorite concept of the author Stephen Covey, the emotional bank account, whether you know about that or whether uh, I'll just mention that as well. No, you, no I'm, intri I'm intrigued now. Oh, I yeah. I've had that before. Yeah. So the emotional bank account, that was, I mean, one of my favorite books is Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by the famous leader and author Stephen Covey, who's sadly no longer with us. And he talked about the concept, I think it was him, or it might have been Daniel Goldman who wrote Emotional Intelligence. So I'm not sure, but I have a feeling that, that phrase might have come up in both of their books. But basically, the idea of the emotional bank account is that you basically make deposits and withdrawals, just like you would in a financial bank account. So I always like to make sure that my emotional bank account is quite wealthy in terms of making deposits. And of course, when the need arises, that means you can make a withdrawal. And that is the way that it works. So the more you're putting into your emotional bank account, essentially the more value you're bringing to others, the more you can draw on that value when the time comes. And I often talk to my children about this. I, I say to them, look, I've made it's like, oh, what? You know, I've made, I've made a deposit in your emotional bank account and that's going to come back to me as a favor later. But I think obviously having spent a long portion of my career developing business, it is just the first thing that you are taught. And it's the first thing you have to learn. What is it about this person that they really value and that, that I can bring to them? And when you start bringing that to them, that is the fastest way to get into their inner circle and for them to see you as somebody who they want to have around. So I just love that kind of phrase. And of course, you can put a lot of money into the emotional bank account and it doesn't come back in some instances. And that is when you know, okay, these people are not my people. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, a uh, you know, it, it, building your network it takes time and there will be people that come and go. It's like friendships. You yeah. Know, how many people are you friends with that you went to nursery with? Now, some people, that's their entire friends network. They've, they've grown up together. They've gone to school together. They've all gone to uni together. They've got married at the same time. They've had kids at the same time. That's their little circle. And that's mm -hmm. great for them. And that works. Other people, oh, I, for me personally, I couldn't even tell you half the people's names that I went to nursery with. So, I, I don't keep in touch with any of them, but that's because my life took a slightly different route or I, I chose to take a different route. So it, your network is constantly evolving. It, ne it never stops moving because yeah. you're, 
you know, you you and I will have people now that are either they're, you know, from a business point of view, maybe they're, they're a lawyer that we use, but they're retiring next year. So what happens in two years time? Because now our lawyer that we had in our networks dropped off because they're retired and they're drinking margaritas on a beach somewhere. And we're going, tearing our hair out, going, I need a lawyer. I need a lawyer. But if you've built, if you've continued, if you continue to build your network, then when that, ideally you'd have more than one lawyer mm-hmm. already. But if you don't, then when you've got your lawyer, make sure you start looking for another one. Or when you're meeting people and you find another lawyer, start building those relationships. And you basically, it's, uh, I used to teach skiing and snowboarding years ago. And I said to people, look, it's a step system. All you've got to do is follow the steps. And when you get to the end, you go back to the beginning and start the steps again. And the simpler you keep it, the more success you will have. Definitely. And I taught hundreds of people to ski and snowboard. Amazing. Yeah, which was cool. Another cool entrepreneurial job that I did on the side <laughs> years ago. But it's, but again, I was building out my networks there. You know, I go to, I go back to where I lived in the French house. And one of the things is I don't have to pay for ski hire because one of my friends runs a ski hire shop and all the time that I lived there, I recommended people to go there. And then when I stopped living in the French Alps and I moved back to the UK, I still recommended people going out there. And in fact, my, I've just changed hairdressers in the town that I live in. And a month ago, I went and got my hair cut was talking to the barber who's a 19 year old just out of school and, and done his uh, all his training and we were just chatting and he said i'm going skiing i was like all right i hadn't told him anything about my skiing background he said whereabouts you going he said oh, i was this tiny little place in the french alps called mozin i said yeah i know very well i used to live there for three years and i did back-to-back ski seasons out there and i've been i've actually been going there since i was 16 years old so in fact 31 years this year So I said, well, nearer the time when you go, I'll give you the contact details of the guys for the ski hire, my friends that got a bar, my friends that run restaurants, and you just tell them that that I sent you through and they'll look after you. Well, that's it. Because I'm in them business. And when I turn up there with my family, because my godson lives in Geneva and my best friend and his family live in Geneva now. Yeah. So when we go out there, we'll all go up to the resort and I won't have to pay for ski hire. Yeah. It's just how is how that's one another little tiny aspect of networks. Well, it, it really is. And I think that's an important point because, you know, I was in Morocco at the end of last year and Max, who is also one of my clients, he used to live out in Morocco and he said, you know, go to this, go to this hotel. It was a very expensive hotel. He said, I know the owners. They invited us there for the day. We got, you know, use of all of the amazing kind of pool and facilities. They treated us to lunch. We had an absolutely fantastic time. And why did that happen? Because I've created value for Max and he wanted to create some value for me. And so actually, you can tell the power of somebody else's network because it really is these wonderful kind of abundant things are out there in the world. And when you build your network in the right way, they just drop into your lap. They really do. You know, you you can go to, in London, for example, I mean, I've lost count of the number of private members clubs that I've been to, that I've been invited to, or the number of amazing uh, dinners that I've had in London. And why? Well, (laughs) 
let's just say that I create value for those people. So they create value for me. And, you know, it is just, uh, you know, life is a playground and a pleasure where everything is on offer and it can come to you just through others and just being very smart about the way you go about this, right? Yeah. And what quite often happens is that there's a lot of access to a lot of things in your network that are right in front of you. That you don't even notice. That you don't know. Lots of people, I... Where I've talked with people before about this and they're asking some advice on some networking or some networking tips or tricks or, or whatever. If I'm where I go around and I speak at other networking events and share what I do or one of the things that I do, they come up and they ask me about X, Y, Z. And I say, so well, what do you do? And they tell me, and what does your other half do? Or what, what does your family do? And I've, the amount of times I've spoken to like an estate agent who's getting, they, they said, oh, I've, I've, bought, I've actually bought one of these properties myself. I'm having a nightmare finding builders. And I'm like, but your cousin's at this networking event. Yeah. Isn't he a builder? Oh, yeah. I didn't think about having a chat with him. I've literally had that conversation. I said, you guys know each other. You're flipping related. Go and talk to each other and have a conversation. But sometimes it takes someone else that's outside of the situation to look back in and go, actually, I can see where you guys could connect. And that, that for me, is one of the really rewarding parts of networking is also mm -hmm. helping others connect with each other. Yes. So, I mean, let's look at some of the ways people get it wrong, because I know that I've got a few things on my list, Andrew, and I'm sure that you have as well. So what would you say is the number one thing that people get wrong? When they're networking, all the networking that I experience, looking for the money. You can, you, when you've been networking for long enough and you're, you've got reasonably good people reading skills, you can read what people are thinking. So you obviously know that I co-host a, a monthly property networking event in London. Yeah. Yep. And because it's a hybrid event where I run the Zoom side, I actually position myself at the back of the room. Now that gives me a really great, there, there are two places to be at a networking event, up at the front where you're presenting to everyone and you can see everyone or at the back looking across everyone where you can see everyone. So I'm sat at the back and I've seen people walking in and I've seen even by the way that they're walking, that they are just coming to that event to find the money. They're not coming to make meaningful connections or to expand their network or to, to offer their services to someone that might genuinely need it. They're the kind of, they're the kind of equivalent to social media when you get, you know, when you get that friends request and at exactly the same time, you get an instant message saying, I can help you solve all of your podcast nightmares, Jane. And you've never <laughs> met this person before in your life. And you think, well, how, do you even know that I've got podcast nightmares? How can you say this? So they're, they're they, those kind of people say. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's really important. It's really like like making the ask too early. And, you know, particularly when it comes to money. I mean, money is an emotional topic. People who... I've met, obviously, I've done a little bit of property networking myself. I've met people at property networks because they come because they've got money and they want to, you know, they want to do something meaningful with it. So where do they start? Well, I don't really know. I'll go and find out a bit more about what this is all about and who these 
people are that, you know, what different opportunities there are, right? So they are there. But, you know, it is just the most horrible thing in the world if somebody, if you're approached by somebody who says, I can give you 10% return on your funds, you know, and it's like, just who the hell are you? You know, who the hell are you? And I think that is, you know, that in so many examples of just people getting it completely wrong, approaching people in the wrong way, or even, you know, people making referrals. I've had this to me that they think that they are making referrals and then they just refer you to completely the wrong person because they haven't taken the time to really get to know you and understand what who you're all about, what you're actually looking for. And really, you do have to invest time. And I think what it is, those people, they want the shortcut. They believe there is a shortcut. They believe that there's a, a quick and easy way. And what they're ignoring is that actually the so-called quick and easy way is the way to turn off quality people and make them just want to go running in the opposite direction forever every time they see your face. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, I mean, that classic example, I've actually had that to me as well, going, I can make 10%, I can give you a 10% return on your money. And in my head, quietly, I'm thinking... How do you know I want a return on my money? How do you know I've got any money? How do you know I, you're just, I'm, it just baffles me. It completely baffles me. It's, I mean, I like cars. I don't hide this fact. I've had a passion for cars and motorsport. I used to build cars. I used to work on race cars as well in a, in another former entrepreneurial role. And I've been into dealerships where people just completely ignore you. And I'm thinking, well, I'm walking in here and you don't know if I want to buy a car. I've been into another dealership where I phoned ahead to say I wanted to buy a car. I'd like to have a test drive. They said, yes. When can you come down? And I said, half an hour, because that's how far I live away. Can you do it? Yeah, absolutely. I'm thinking, brilliant. It's As long as the car drives all right, I'm buying it today. I walked in there. The salesman spent the next 10 minutes trying to sell me a brand new model, which is not what I wanted at all. Wrong car, wrong type of vehicle for the tool that I needed it to do. It was out of my budget as well at the time. That Basically, everything was wrong for me because I know what I'm after. Yeah. He chased me out of the, he chased me out of the showroom because I said, I'm not even test driving the car that I was going to come and buy here now. And he chased me out. He was still trying to sell me the brand new car. And I said, you know what? Actually, let's go back inside. So as we went back inside, I let him go first and I got to the receptionist and I said to the receptionist, here's my business card, which had managing director on at the time. I said, I'd like to speak to the managing director of the branch. He came down and I told him what had just happened. And I said, for that exact reason, I'm not buying anything from you, but I want you to be aware of this, of how your salesperson is behaving, um, because they're either doing it just to make a sale and they don't care, or they've been so badly trained. Mm-hmm. that you need to be aware of it. I was so hacked off. And not because I wasn't buying the nice, shiny car that I wanted, but because I'd have my time wasted. Well, and again, d- different people value different things. Yeah, but most people really do value their time. And mm-hmm. I think it's very important to be respectful of people's time. And I think when you make a big ask of somebody that involves their time, that's, that better be worth their while. 
to be honest. And I think it's a lot of it is it is about having consideration for other people. And actually, you know, obviously some people are maybe naturally better than that. Maybe they have, maybe they were brought up differently. Maybe they had it modeled to them. I think when I look at people and I think that was just, you know, that is, is a bit dumb, that approach. You know, you are never going to establish goodwill by behaving like that. I often think, you know, probably nobody's ever taught them. Nobody's ever told them. Maybe they didn't grow up in a family where actually networks and relationships were considered to be of value because a lot of people don't. And a lot of people, I notice this as well because, you know, I never had much of a family to speak of, let's just say. I really, my family are just my children. That's me. So I was kind of out there in the world, kind of building relationships with strangers from a very early age because, yeah, it just is the way that it was for me. So, but a lot of people are, on the other hand, or at the opposite end of the extreme. So they tend to live in very insular families particularly in certain kind of cultures. So they're taught how to behave in their families, in their kind of family environments. And when you go out of the family environment, people, they don't see you in the same way. The same rules don't apply. And when you go out there and you start making the kind of asks that you might make, for example, of family members, they're not going to be received in the same way. And so I genuinely think, I don't think people realize that this stuff does not always come easily and it can be taught and it can be improved, right? Which leads us neatly on to what you're going to talk about next, Andrew, right? Because you've actually put together a very reasonably priced offer to help people really get this stuff right. So do you want to just talk? about that briefly? Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of stems off the back of what we were just talking about, really. So I, with my parents being entrepreneurial, they went, they, we traveled as kids with mm -hmm. them. They tied in business trips and holidays. So we were very fortunate to be around lots of different people all of the time. And we got to observe as children, my parents networking. And then as we, we grew older, we started to network with them. And then they were the kind enough to, to kind of share some of those skills as you do when you're a parent to, to your children. And then at some point the training wheels come off and you get shoved out and you've got to go over the precipice on your own. So for me, I, a lot of my networking I do naturally, it's like muscle reflex. And it, it's not to say that I'm amazing at it because I'm always trying to improve on it or look at different ways to improve my networking. So I don't ever think that you fully master it because also the landscape moves. I was out networking 25 years ago and the internet didn't exist. Now my networking is, is very differently geared. You know, probably I would do 60% online networking and 40% in person. But 20 years ago, I was doing 100 or 25 years ago, it was 100% in person. Yeah. So it's, you know, the landscape changes and we have to be able to adapt with it as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I've noticed going back into, so, so where I got back into property investing and being around a lot of networks and then obviously hitting COVID and we were all online and network online. I was starting to notice a lot of things and a lot of people that I would speak to, they either didn't know how to network, didn't know what networking was, 
were struggling with networking or they were networking like, you know, they were the person that, you know, that person you see everywhere. You go into a Facebook group, their face is there. You go into a meeting, they're there. Mm. All of that stuff. But they weren't getting any results from it. Yep. And so every single person, doesn't matter where you are on the scale, we all struggle with different points. And it's there's always learning. And the more you network, the finer tuning you have to do. But when you start out, you can actually make a lot of progress very quickly. Mm. You've got the right tools in the toolbox and the right skills that have been taught to you. And I thought, I haven't really seen a lot of other people doing this, so I'm actually going to open it up and do it. But I also want it to be very affordable for people so that they can start getting the results quickly that they want. And also the other thing that, that for me that I was finding frustrating is I was meeting a lot of incredible people and you know, some of them, they're, they're shy people. So that was holding them back. Yeah. I know because I've taken the time to speak to them that they're brilliant at what they do, but no one else is going to notice them because they're the quiet mouse in the corner of the room or the person that's looking in their phone or sitting with away from everyone. And so those type of people, it's about getting them out of their shell. And there's all kinds of other things that I teach actually on the training to use as tools to be able to help people in every different way. There are also people that talk too much. I mean, I'm an extrovert. I throw me in with a thousand people. I'll start chatting to someone. But also when I first started networking, one of my, my, my flaws, I guess, or one of my weaknesses was that I would talk too much because people say, what are you doing? Oh, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm loving it. It's everything's brilliant. It's awesome. It's cool. And I just, I'd fire so much at them. All people would say, what are you doing? And I'm doing like 25 things at once. That freaks out people most of the time. Now for me, I time block everything. So I can do loads of stuff, but now I just go, look, I do this and this. It's a completely different, calm approach to it, but I have to dial me down a bit. Yeah. Meet their energy. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. And I think you make um, an important point, Andrew, about uh, introverts networking because introverts, they feel happiest in their own company. That's where they draw their energy. Whereas obviously extroverts, we draw energy from being around other people. So I think networking is very challenging for introverts. And I see, you know, there's a bit of myself, I'm kind of I'm a more extrovert than introvert, but there is also an introverted side to me that doesn't like being around big crowds. And, you know, I can feel overwhelmed, very overwhelmed when I'm in a big room of people. So I think for those people, actually finding a way to, you know, to manage these situations and get what they need out of it without overwhelm is also important, isn't it? Get the results, but, you know, don't just go away feeling exhausted because, you know, you're so far outside your comfort zone and so overwhelmed by all this noise and the people and everything like that, that you don't really get the results you want. So, so yes. So, Andrew, you put together a short program, right, to help people network. And what we're going to do when we release this as a podcast, and once you've actually, you know, got the link, we'll put it as a link underneath this. So anybody that would love to know more about how to build 
wealthy networks for themselves. And by wealthy, I mean that in the broadest sense. So, you know, just people who are fantastic people who can bring wonderful things to you and really enhance your business in life in many different ways. And that is really, Andrew, what, you know, this training is about. So, so what we're going to do is we'll drop a link to that in the chat or in the show notes if you're listening to this. And, you know, that's it really, isn't it? That's what you're going to help people do is build that yeah. network of their dreams. Yeah, that's what I'm helping people do, you know, right now, today. We're yeah. already, already helping others do it. So, but I want to, my, my mission is to share this far and wide because there are so many good people in the entrepreneurial world that, that are struggling. I, one, one of the, one of my struggles, I actually shared this at a networking event. So when I talk, I, I share obviously a little bit of my life and yeah. so on and so forth. And I actually, part of that, I shared my dyslexia. Cause I got diagnosed with dyslexia when I was 13 and then yeah. I subsequently hid it from every single person in the world for 30 years. Wow. <laughs> Apart from my mum, my dad and my brother, no one else knew. And yeah. my partner now, Cathy, she knew when I got together with her because I, I knew that I was with the right person. So I told her none of my exes ever knew. I never told them. And I took, I hid that and kept that struggle in my head for 30 years. Mm. And a few years back, I started to share it because I, I came in contact with some other dyslexic people and, you know, I was inspired to go, well, actually, I didn't realize it, but I've been using that as a secret weapon for a load of my success for years. But I, I said this at this particular networking event about two or three weeks ago and had someone come up to me at the end and he said, thank you so much for sharing that. And he's, I'm now helping him with his networking. That's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for that, Andrew. It's been such an interesting conversation on obviously one of my favorite topics, which really the power of relationship and the power of people to lift you higher in business as well as life. So there's no doubt about it. Your network is your net worth. Obviously, you've probably heard that phrase. Yeah, so yeah, so if you want to build your network and increase your net worth, Andrew is your guy. And, you know, do dive into his link, take a look at the video that he's created and join his little mini course in order to make your networking efforts really work for you. So thank you so much, Andrew. It's been such a pleasure. Really have enjoyed talking to you this afternoon. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Thank you very much. Really enjoyed being on the podcast. See you again soon. Thanks, Jane. Jane Baylor is the Smart Connector, a London-based, passionate serial entrepreneur, brand marketer and business growth exploder who helps overlooked and undervalued consultants and sector experts generate consistent, scalable revenues through becoming the go-to choice of their dream clients. If you've enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate you liking, rating and reviewing the podcast on the platform you've heard it on. And check out the links in the show notes if you'd like to connect with Jane or any of her guests in person. Thank you for listening and come back soon.